the following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. As they said, this is Opal Singleton. And uh, we have a, a really cerebral show today. Um, this is this particular show and conversation that we're having is really meant to be for training and uh, and education, as many of our shows are. Every now and then, we'll have something that's motivational or give insights uh, to the psychology of things and like that. But today, I want to talk about the role of intel in crime solving. Uh, that means the role of intelligence gathering in crime solving. The reason I want to do this is several reasons. One is I'm in the middle of writing my next book, Societal Shift. And truly, as many of you hear me say, we are at probably the most unique time in all of history. Um, I've often said it might be more important than the Industrial Revolution. And I, I honestly think that most of us are not aware of what is happening and the impact, and I'm busy writing that book, and so I really want to convey some of this. On top of it, I've had the just absolute privilege, and it is, in fact, a total honor and privilege to have been uh, aligned with the uh, intelligence uh, task force, the law enforcement intelligence unit, over the last six to eight months. Now, what that is is the both national and international organization of intelligence analysts across the United States, and it's really given me a whole new respect for their role and what they do. And it occurred to me that most civilians probably don't have the same insights just the same as I didn't until I became acquainted with them. Most intelligence analysts are not sworn police officers per se. They don't go through the academy where they have to shoot the gun and like that. I believe they can if they want to, but they're not required to. It is a civilian role, and so it's really quite unique, and it's a fairly new concept in policing across the United States. There are starting to be many universities that have crime analyst um, classes that they're doing and crime analyst or intelligent analyst degrees. And there may be many of you that might want to look into that out there. It is a a police-oriented kind of private investigative uh, position, if you will. And basically, one of the reasons I want to do this is because I see all of your posts on my Facebook. Yes, I see each and every one of them. First of all, I want to thank you for posting and following us on Facebook. This is this show is brought to you by Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Million Kids. Uh, and if you go to Facebook and find Million Kids, you will see on there that we post new cases every three to four hours. Now, I take credit for that like I do it. I don't. That is done by Susie Carpenter, 
who is just an amazing media and marketing director for what it's worth. She's just fantastic. And she posts new cases every three or four hours, and we see your comments on there. And one of the things that I'm acutely aware of is there's this often frustration um, that, number one, they either didn't get a longer sentence, or two, why isn't more being done? And the other thing that is driving this particular show is that I get calls, I get leads from people because I go out and do public speaking at corporations and schools and, you know, government agencies and like that. And one of the things that will happen is, or I'll get a parent who calls me and they have found their child um, in a really difficult situation. Either they're in love with a boyfriend pimp or they're, uh, becoming rebellious and starting to leave home. They're, they've been found with naked photos, that kind of thing, and they want to know what to do about it. And more important, why isn't law enforcement doing more about it? So as I began to understand this, I wanted to kind of share with you what a crime analyst does and what happens to a lead once it's given to law enforcement because that is really a, a complex issue. Crime intelligence uh, analysts at this point uh, have a massive, massive job to undertake. I have so much respect for them having now, you know, kind of crossed over from being your average sidewalk civilian to to being involved in seeing what it takes to build a case. So what happens today is that a lead will come in or a situation will be reported somewhere along the line. And so they began, they being law enforcement, began their investigation. So much of, and first of all, at this point, I'm going to kind of talk from the terms of our task force. I'm the training and outreach coordinator for the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. That is a group of seven men and women who literally are just amazing people. Uh, put in all kinds of time and effort, and they are their family people, and they care deeply about the victim and, and like that, and they are trying to build cases of human trafficking. Now, I am going to tell you that one of the factors of this is these cases are much more complex than anything we even saw when I first started in this about eight years ago. You know, uh, and originally we would have one pimp and he'd have three girls and we would kind of know his sphere of universe, maybe out in a particular community. And my area might be Moreno Valley, Harupa, Corona, Hemet, Riverside, all of those areas. And we would know where they function. And he would have maybe two or three local girls that he was victimizing. And so we were able to pull those together fairly quickly. And be able to find out what's happening. But one of the big mitigating factors here is this crime has increased by scale and scope. Uh, that is something I often talk about where you might have 22 pimps in a ring and you might have 100 victims out there. And it's not just covering a Riverside area. It, uh, you know, the girls are picked up out of Riverside but taken to L.A. or maybe Anchorage or maybe Minnesota or maybe Dallas, Texas, and they're moved around. And the pimps change as they move them around because they're related to large-scale sex trafficking rings or gangs. So gathering that intel on that particular situation is truly a challenge. And so what happens is is that it usually starts with a particular victim or a particular perpetrator. 
And so what will happen there is that before any boots go on the ground to start all the investigation, the initial information is taken, everything that we can get. You want to know, you know, the age, the if they're a minor, where are the parents on this? Uh, you know, where are they living? How about the perpetrator? Where are they living? Um, you know, what is the relationship between the minor and the perpetrator? Are there other perpetrators? Is there more than one? Does this is this gang related or is this an individual kind of thing? What is the relationship between the victim and the perpetrator? Uh, is it is it a casual relationship? Are they dating? Are they married? Um, you know, are there children and other minors involved in this? Are there drugs involved in this uh, that you can see? Uh, how about any tracking of money? That's always very important to make a case. How do you track the money? And uh, so you you get all this information, everything that you can get from whoever is doing the report. Uh, is there is there access to the individual's phone on a voluntary basis that we might be able to look at it? Uh, is there social media accounts? What social media accounts do they have? And what are their names on those social media accounts? Does anybody happen to have a password for that social media account? That would help a lot right off the bat. You know, um, you know, are there any photos out there that you might have of the potential victim or the potential perpetrator? Do you have any information on the cars they're driving or the license plates of the, of the cars if it's a boyfriend? that's coming over Um, you know do you have any evidence that there in fact is a crime this is one of the biggest challenges in intel gathering of these crimes is that you know we we just saw one that broke my heart recently because they're very good people and they have a daughter who's about to turn 18 and they're they're seeing this daughter go south they don't like the guy she's dating the guy is Got a history um, like that. Um, I believe he's even got a criminal history, but I can't remember that one because I get so many. But, you know, and so the parents are like, this is a crime, this is a crime, this is a crime. Well, it's a crime that's about to happen but has not happened. And that's a very specific issue. Uh, At this point, it is a social problem. It is a psychological problem, but it hasn't, but no crime has been committed. And so, you know, certainly can law enforcement get in there and try to try to go one way or the other. That's one thing. But it is not a crime at this point until something has actually happened. What you have is a young lady making very bad decisions, using drugs, hanging out with the wrong people. Now, if she's using drugs and we can prove that, then you can get them on drugs. But until there is actually a force, fraud or coercion, uh, a, a commercial sex act proven, what you have is a girl who's dating a very bad boyfriend. And everybody's all up in arms in it. And I am not suggesting that that isn't horrific. I get it. And if I were the parent, trust me, I would be doing everything that these people are doing to try to stop it, including talking to law enforcement. So I'm not, this is not in any way, shape or form a critique of it. What I want to the audience to understand is in order for law enforcement to get involved, 
they have to be able to prove and solve a crime. And that is part of the role of an intel analyst is determining what the facts are and whether or not it justifies reasonable suspicion to begin a background check. You see, we can't just go through and start running everybody's background. We can't run everybody's driver's license. We can't run everybody's license plate just because they look like they belong to a gang or they think that or they're talking smack. You know, we have to be able to have reasonable suspicion going in there. So what is happening now is that that once something is reported and there is a reasonable suspicion of a crime, that is when the crime analyst role comes in. You do not start out by putting very expensive and way overworked boots on the ground out there doing immediate surveillance. It usually doesn't start that way. It starts on the crime analyst's desk. And this is why I think that you're going to see intelligence crime analysts be one of the major career opportunities of the future in crime and crime solving because everything is going to now be traced on the internet and everything is going to be traced through literally intelligence on the internet. So what they begin to do then is the crime analyst gets it and they start to, first of all, do an overview of the case. You know, what do they know about it? What is happening? How much danger is a potential victim in, you know, what do we know about that victim? How quickly can we develop a profile of that victim? And they began to go through and search literally over a hundred databases to build this case. Well, what I'm starting to see here is I've already whizzed right through the first section and we're up against a hard break. And I really want to get into the role of the crime analysts and how they do this. So I'm going to ask you if you'll stay with me. This is Opal Singleton. This is Exploited Crimes and No Crimes Against Humanity. And we're up against that break. We'll be right back. Thanks. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited. 
crimes against humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking about the role of the crime analysts and intel in crime and crime solving. So I wanted to just kind of share with you a little bit about what a crime analyst does. They not only work with a specific lead, but they have a much broader point of view that they're looking at when they do this. One of the things that they're looking at is there's a strategic role and an also an analytical role, and I'm going to get into those as we, as we progress here. But one of the things that a crime analyst will do is support their law enforcement unit with reports each day looking at patterns of crime. You see, it's more than just the one crime that that a lead has come in. What they're looking for is are there patterns. In fact, working with the Human Trafficking Task Force, one of the things they do is build large-scale um, diagrams across the boards on the walls of who can be in each various rings because, number one, these, these guys trade guys back and forth and they trade girls back and forth and they move around the nation, but they have particular M.O., and uh, and they also to make this even more complicated, they will you know gangs they use monikers like classified and uh, J Rock and and Bone and like that, and so you're not always sure which person that you're dealing with when you're looking at it. So one of the things a crime analyst will do is look at identifying patterns as they begin to emerge. For instance, if a boogler starts targeting drugstores in a particular jurisdiction, the next time that there's a boogler in a drugstore, they can begin to say, okay, here's starting to be a pattern, and this is what this particular MO looks like. Or if they have, um, you know, uh, in our case, if they're looking for a pattern of domestic violence where police have been called out to particular residents more than one time. They start to look for, you know, this particular residence is a is a high uh, target area. And so um, if we're starting to see a pattern, that is one of the things that they do. So analysts not only solve, uh, not solve, that one, they build a particular case and all the details to the and the background to that case, they also supply the task force with trends and patterns and hotspots so that they can be aware of what is happening. For instance, let me give you an example of how that's working right now. Most of you who may be listening to the show know that up until this last month, what was happening is, is that most commercial sex was being advertised on a site called Backpage. Now, there were hundreds of those sites, you know, but Backpage was the most notorious. And so, you know, in fact, there are software programs. One of them was created by Ashton Kushner. It was called Spotlight. And it would go through and use algorithms to find commonalities in a Backpage ads uh, so that they could feed those out. All these crime analysts access well over 100 databases, and these are usually done through something called LA Clear out here, where the data is dispersed. Now, that's that's controversial in itself, you know, because of the fact that, you know, various law enforcement agencies want to keep data to themselves, but 
they in this day and age of social media, it is important that they don't have silos, that they they absolutely share that data because these guys are moving around and they're moving those victims around. So one of the first things that they'll start to do is start to look for a pattern on a particular ring. You know, are they moving from... Um, you know, Riverside to Ontario to El Monte to Los Angeles, are they are their ads showing up? Now, one of the problems of shutting down back pages, we've lost that resource. On top of it, one of the things that we could do was track those phone numbers and see where they were showing up. In other words, when they were getting a, a girl that they had, uh, they would use uh, what we call a... a um, Oh, God, I can't think of the term right now. You know, a throwaway phone, you know, a burner phone, sorry. They would use a burner phone, and it usually had it out of the area area code. But it would all of a sudden be showing up in Riverside or Las Vegas or Los Angeles or San Diego, and the spotlight would help us uh, say, this phone's showing up here or there. Well, with the shutting down of Backpage, that's absolutely taken all of that away because those ads are not readily available anymore. We could do the same thing with photographs, you know, drag and drop and match photographs and begin to see where people were showing up and where they were being moved around to. And that gave us a chance to work with other task force. Well, all of that is gone now. We don't we don't have those ads. Now, we are looking for trends of who's replacing Backpage. Now, there's a uh, factor that's going on there in that at the same time the FOSTA program went through, which uh, a lot of people are really touting and they're really excited about it. I, I, I don't know. I'm watching it. Uh, but one of the FOSTA things said that if you were advertised on that site, you could sue the site holder. Well, Backpage isn't going to have any money left, so they're not going to be able to get money off that. And I believe what's going to happen there is you're just going to see a lot of class action suits and the victim not get much. Uh, but what was happening is that they could sue the site holders. So that meant that a lot of these sites that were out there advertising actually shut down. However, they did not go away. They already started up opening up overseas and offshores and they're also opening up with really tacky little sites that have no assets so go ahead and sue me you know i I think trying to legislate legislate these issues has it's a double-edged sword it makes it more difficult for law enforcement and quite frankly it is not going to go away in my opinion certainly they put a big kink into it and i admire their efforts and what they've done I just question where this is going to go. But back to um, the issue of crime solving and crime analysts, you know, what we would do is gather all that data. Now that data is gone. The other thing was that they went in and took away the um, Visa and MasterCard capability of posting the ads. That also took away the ability for law enforcement to track the money because it's now being done through cryptocurrency. And so it's difficult now to get that, track that money in the underground. So basically what a crime analyst does is they they not only uh, work, I keep saying solve, that is absolutely incorrect. They don't solve problems. They supply data for law enforcement to come up with strategies and tactics to go in and build a case. In other words, they are the foundation builder. 
and uh, they are in no way solving the case, okay? They are building the data and providing that to law enforcement to be able to get a strategy on how to go out and get this. Now, there's some challenges with all this because of the privacy laws that are going on. And uh, so this is making it very difficult. Uh, you know, number one, one of one of the problems here is is that uh, there just this week a new privacy law that went in over in uh, Europe, and I'm going to get into that in the next section. is called GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, and that will greatly challenge a lot of crime and crime solving. But basically, what happens with a a uh, analyst is that they start through once they have. The information, they, they're looking for information, everything they can get about the victim and about the perpetrator. Once they have that, then they access all these specialized programs to try to, to fill in the blanks, to color, color in the background so we can see or law enforcement can see what this is all about. So what do they do with that? Well, they track all kinds of, they access all kinds of public records on here. For instance, one of the first things they do is start through all the public records. And um, this is the same thing that a private investigator, by the way, might do. They look at bankruptcy. You know, what are their financial records? Uh, They look at county clerk offices records because they're looking for marriages and and, uh, even divorce and legal separation separations. Uh, They look at any kind of licensing that's going on out there. They have a specialized license that they're operating with. Not just driver's license, but business licenses also. They look at property assessment offices because they want to know if they own buildings and real estate and where they're at. They look at all kinds of real estate records. Um, They will look at wage and income statements, anything that is a public record. Then they began to look at anything that they can find, uh, and many of these will take, um, when you get into financial institutions, they require reasonable um, uh, suspicion, and they require evidence so that you can get a search warrant. But they will look at bank records. Uh, they look at bond companies, especially if they've been arrested and they're out on bail or bond and they've skipped out. They'll look at casino records. Yeah. Casino records, they need to know. Uh, credit reports, um, any kind of currency uh, regulation documentation that they may have. Are they transmitting money here and there through Western Union? Or, or And by the way, this is going to be more difficult because most of your apps now have a monetary transmitting on it. I often talk about it. I'm not sure people understand the impact of what I'm saying, that Snapchat, now you can send Snap Cash. Uh, Messenger has a money transfer. Facebook has a money transfer. So that's going to make that more difficult. Currency transaction report kind of tells you if they're sending money out of the country in in large numbers. Uh, Foreign bank account reports, um, money services, stockbrokers, suspicious activity for money, Western Union records, all of those kinds of things that we can look at. 
they look at all kinds of business records, okay, like inventory, especially if they're um, buying and selling contraband, or and that happens in money laundering, is they'll often engage in, in uh, contraband. By the way, they will often put out young girls and involve them in credit card manufacturing, credit card fraud, and using illegal credit cards or getting young people to steal credit cards out of mailboxes. And so they'll start to look at any of those kinds of activities where they're processing credit card transactions in there to get an idea if if that kind of thing is going on. The reason they'll look at all these bank accounts is are they selling drugs, uh, you know, going back and forth. Uh, they'll do that also for labor trafficking, you know, are they are, are people actually getting paid in the wages uh, in there or are they do they have a huge amount of employees but uh, you don't see a, a lot of uh, employment, uh, EDD, and Department of Labor records. So they began to look for that kind of data to figure out how to track the activity to make sure if it's legal or not so legal activity. So there are many, many public records and business records like post offices, private ledgers, sales receipts, uh, legal documentation, and yes, even cameras at retail stores. You'll see that if you watch IDTV, which I sometimes do. Okay, folks, we're already up against that break, so we're going to ask you to stay with us. We're going to get deep into it at the next section. Thanks. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Before I keep going here, I do want to... um, address the issue forgive me I printed something in the background <laughs> it's gonna, 
going to give us a bad time here. Sorry. Anyway, I do want to address the issue here to say how much I appreciate each and every one of you that support this show. Uh, This show is not possible without your uh, donations and your dedication and like that. And I get regular emails of people that are listening to this show. Many of them listen by archive. Uh, I see the records of who's accessing what and like that. And it is all over the world. The purpose of this show is to be a global training show that could be free. And the only way I can do that is if people donate. So... All of those that follow us that have sent in a donation, some of you are extremely loyal at doing this. I so much appreciate it. So we were talking about where a crime analyst gets this information and what do they do with it. So we were talking about that they will look at business records like um, journals and legends, uh, ledgers and private P.O. boxes. They'll look at storage units out there or safe deposit boxes. Now, these are all taking um Uh, search warrants. You don't just start going out into somebody's life to do that. But they'll also uh, go into any kind of government records that are out there, like assessors and building and uh, code enforcement and and, uh, fire marshal and trash. You know, I mean, you see on IDTV all the time where they go through the trash um, on their uh, business taxes and voter registrations, they will check for a wide variety of things. Now, one of the things that will happen here, and by the way, I forgot to mention, they also go into public records like public utilities, uh, your gas company, your water company, uh, like that. And, you know, if you've had something like an Uber, if there's an Uber receipt uh, or something, a moving company, a delivery company, if you've rented a car, those kinds of things. So there's a lot of that kind of data. So part of what they're trying to do, and I'm going to get into the social media aspects of this here in a minute, but what they're trying to do here is literally determine the motivation of the criminal or the criminal enterprise. Uh, you know, what are they into? How are they making their money? How are they moving people around? How are they um, you know, selling and advertising the product or the person that is out there. What is their agenda? Are they are they an individual gang or sex trafficking ring that is keeping the money, or are they sending that money back to to uh, a cartel somewhere, uh, either in Japan or uh, China or Mexico? Um, you know, who are the participants in the criminal group and, and what is that inner group relationship? That's very important to try to determine that. You know, uh, what are the individual and collective criminal activities? They're not always the same. If you have, an, if you have a, a ring, you might have people that are into, um, you know, drugs and others that are not. I often talk about the case down at Grossmont High with the Tycoon Gang. That's down in San Diego. And they had, um, I don't know, I think I'll make up a number, but I think it was like nine different gangs involved in recruiting kids out of school. But each gang had a different job, a different assignment. So it was RICO, it was organized crime. But here's my point. If you're a crime analyst, all those all those gang members and participants are part of a sex trafficking ring, but they have other enterprises that they're running. And so one gang may be into drugs while the other one is into transportation. And so they won't all look alike when you're doing your crime analysis on it. 
you know, what are their decision-making processes? Are they are they methodical? Do they have a pattern? Do they move around? You think serial killer in this or a serial rapist. Do they operate in a particular geographic area? Is there something that triggers them on a particular day? Um, you know, uh, you see serial rapists that will be a particular time of a month where uh, something in their past is triggering them to to take on uh, a criminal activity. You know, what's their biographical background as far as the leaders go? What is the motivating factor there in the decision makers? And then, you know, you look at geographic location. Are they staying in a particular area? And is there, you know, is this a case where it's going to happen again in your territory? Or do you need to be working with the FBI or Homeland Security or another uh, task force in another area? You know, what are, what's the relationship between competing uh, uh, criminal groups? In other words, do are there a couple of gangs involved? And is there some motivation that has to do with territory or, um, you know, getting even uh, uh, retribution on there? And then, you know, what is the relationship between specific players within a group. So there's a lot of factors that are going on in there. So what will happen with a crime analyst is they get all this information and they're looking for trends and and like that, but then they have to get in there and, and um, uh, begin to lay the groundwork of facts and data for a particular um particular case that's assigned to them. So to do that, what we're talking about then is they usually start with not only the business background and the personal background, but they'll start to look at their social media activity. And this can be quite extensive and and really quite controversial what is going on here. Because what happens in that is that we first have a lot of challenges going on. The first thing they do is start to look at their, you know, Facebook, Instagram uh, kind of activity. Do they have a Twitter account? Are they tweeting? Are they tweeting on a particular subject that you see? Can you begin to anonymously follow them in their tweets? Um, you know, are they on a dating site? Uh, dating sites that are something like, um, you know, uh, um Tinder, couldn't think of it. Tinder, Grinder. are they gay? Are they LBGT? Uh, that you might find them on Grinder, and you'd want to create a uh, fictitious uh, identity that you could begin to follow them. Are they on something like Tango uh, or uh, Meet Me where you can be involved? Uh, are they on a live streaming app that gives uh, geo data on it? Because if that's the case, I mean, one of the problems with live streaming now with geo data on it is that it gives you uh, well let me back up a minute and so that you can see where my brain is going on this because my mouth is ahead of my brain here or maybe my brain's ahead of my mouth but anyway here's the deal this new app that's out live.me l-i-v-e dot m-e it, it's really got me disturbed as I, I I'm sure you can tell I don't get emotional about these things but it is really really targeting very young kids 
and we must get to parents and get that out of those kids' hands. Those kids are not able to get those phones without parents, and it is the parents that I need to train on Live.me. No prepubescent child ever should ever belong on Live.me. Anyway, that is a... um, can't think of it. Live streaming app. (laughs) What's wrong with my brain this morning? It's a live streaming app, but it has a geo function. So it it tells everybody around you. There was just a horrific uh, YouTube this week on a case that happened with the parents sitting there going, please tell your children not to be on this. And and the the parent had bought a nine-year-old this phone with live.me on it. Well, you know, sure enough, it's got a geo app, so it just is like, you know, a pie piper for pedophiles. They all start loading on when they see a nine-year-old in there, and the nine-year-old is any typical nine-year-old. She wants to be famous. She wants to dance. She wants to be on America's Got Talent, and they go in, and they tease her, and they start giving her virtual stickers. She's getting nothing, absolutely nothing, and she's taking her top off and taking her panties down, and 10,000 people saw it before the parents did. Okay, and the parents did go on the air and and admit that they needed to not do that. But what they nobody understands is all those photographs are now in the dark web. Well, enough about that case. I mean, it's just mind boggling to me. But that also that factor, though, if we can determine that they're on something like Live.me, we can become a follower and follow them geographically. So while this new technology makes it very, very difficult for people, for us to uh, be able to to intercept a lot of it, in other words, uh, we have live streaming that if you're not there when it's live streaming, it's gone. It's called vaporware. So you can't get a search warrant for it. So that means that the Intel analyst is going to have to become a follower of this individual and be alerted whenever they're on because we won't be able to be uh, get search warrants to begin to record that. However, if they accept us as an anonymous follower, then they can they can be there, be alerted and follow it. The same kind of thing is going on with de-encrypting phones. Uh, That is really, really a challenge now because most of these apps have encryption, encrypted messaging, encrypted chat rooms. Uh, You know, it's always been very difficult for us as law enforcement to get a, a, um, or at least for my team, I'm not law enforcement, I'm a civilian, but it's always been difficult as our team to... uh, get a search warrant for a conversation that is taking place in a video game chat room. And perpetrators know this. I mean, it's difficult to determine who's saying what. And now these chat rooms are going to become encrypted. So not only will parents not be able to see what's being said in there. And by the way, I think no teenager, no young person ought to be allowed in an encrypted chat room. You know, but it's up to the parent, you know, to take the take the role and say you're not going to do that. But for a crime analyst, that's going to be very difficult because not only can you not tell who's talking, now it's encrypted. So there's going to be a lot of challenges having to do with the same thing with cryptocurrency. One of the ways that we do intel is follow the money. And when you have cryptocurrency, you have 
it's very, very difficult to do that. And as these start to go into things like Messenger and uh, where they're sending money and an encryption, it won't be long until all financial transactions in those things are encrypted also. Think about Facebook. They have a legitimate site in the dark web and they have encryption and they have money transfer. So this is going to become very, very challenging for Intel in building a case. And I just really want you to understand the world of crime and crime solving and where we're headed on this and why these cases can be difficult to put together. Well, my name is Opal Singleton. The show is Exploited Crimes Against Humanity, and we are coming up against that heartbreak. So I'm going to ask you to bear with us, and we will be right back for the last segment. Talk to you in a minute. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. We're talking about the role of the crime analysts in in crime and crime solving. I have been uh, privileged to be aware of and participate in an organization called the um, Law Enforcement Intelligence Unit and just an amazing group of men and women, very, very talented people who get a significant amount of education and training. And if you're interested in doing that, I I would highly recommend that you contact your various colleges and universities around you and see if they have a crime analyst 
position that they are educating and training on because this is the way of the future. Intelligence will be the way of crime solving in the future. I firmly believe that as the entire world becomes connected in on the internet, which is about to take place, that this will change crime and crime solving dramatically, which is why I'm writing the book um, Global, or excuse me, Societal Shift. But what will happen, I believe, is instead of you having a case where you find a particular crime and you hand it to a law enforcement and then they go about gathering all the evidence and supporting that crime and then going out and getting, you know, the undercover activity, what will happen is the crime most likely will be identified on the Internet in the future. And I believe that uh, the role of the intel analysts will be the major role in by 2020 in crime and crime solving. Now, this takes a lot of strategic thinking. It takes critical thinking. It takes judgment. It takes determination. It takes people who are very good at the computer. Uh, I could probably never do it because I'm not that detail-oriented. I'm a, a large person concept, large, large concept person. But, you know, our crime analysts and our task force is just the best in the United States. I'm convinced of it. In fact, we have a lot of really good crime analysts out in Riverside County. And you're going to see this role really become much more important, especially because much of this now will be recorded on the Internet. Now, it's not going to be easy, as I was just identifying, with these new apps coming out there with the dark web, with vaporware, with cryptocurrency, with encryption. Um, And now we're about to get something where Facebook bought Faytech. F-A-Y-T-E-K-Q, and uh, that technology will be coming out on a cell phone before too long, where you'll be able to superimpose uh, images right in the middle of live streaming and take images out of live streaming. And so it will alter the evidence if you're using live streaming as evidence. So we're headed into some interesting places. We have geolocator on much of this live streaming. And as I was saying in the last section, you know, on the one hand, that will make it very difficult because live streaming is vaporware and you won't have time to get a search warrant. However, if you can become a follower of theirs, uh, then maybe you can be there and record it while it's happening. So there will be pros and cons as in most things. What will happen then is the crime analyst then marries that with uh, real-life physical data. In other words, they do, well, first of all, they'll do things like Google Earth, where they go out and go from the desktop and look at a location and start to find out what they can get there. There will always be the hard boots-on-the-ground surveillance, uh, things like wearing a wire. One of the big things that happens is phone surveillance. Um, you know, the uh, I believe it was the um, uh, Bulldog Gang out of Fresno. They did 630,000 phone intercepts on that. Do you, can you just imagine the hours that it took? If you wonder why it takes so much to build one of these cases, many of these sex rings, believe it or not, are being run from prison. Now, you know, I'm one of these people that thinks, let's get these phones out of prisons. But as long as those phones are in prison, you know, you got a captive audience and we can build all kinds of intel on those. Those guys are not smart. Okay, they talk because they need to be able to get messages to the outside. Uh, They get it from wearing a wire. They get it from confidential informants, you know, from collaborators. They get one person to 
to turn on another person and uh, um, they get, you know, they find the locations of their hangouts and they use surveillance videos that are out there uh, on there. They watch for a reaction to a specific event. In other words, if they know there's a, a particular thing that triggers a particular perpetrator, they watch for that. They use watch events like uh, Coachella out here, the Super Bowl, and the big events. They do surveillance at truck stops that are that are known for this kind of thing. They'll surveil massage parlors. Uh, they do reverse stings. Uh, we were very active in doing reverse stings as long as we had back page. It's a little more challenging now to try to find out which ones they're using, but you know, all of that is part of building that case. They download cell phones with a warrant and they, you know, they ping off of towers. Where were they located? Uh, who have they talked to? Who have they called? Uh, who has called them out there? They use drones. Yes, they use drones. Okay. <laughs> they use binoculars. They use GPS tracking devices to begin to marry that data with online data and these big uh, databases out there. They will use covert video and audio recorders. So what I'm telling you is it takes a hell of a lot of effort to build a case. Okay. <laughs> it takes thousands of man hours. Some of you have heard me say we actually had a case that literally they subpoenaed Facebook and they sent 50,000 pages of documentation that our guys had to pour through. So, you know, there's a lot more to law enforcement than the guy out there chasing down the bad guy shooting a gun or holding somebody and uh, trying to arrest them. There is a huge amount of cerebral activity, brain work that is being done a huge amount of gathering of documentation that paints the entire picture. That is what a crime analyst does. They fill in the light places and the dark places and the background information. They start to understand who the characters are, whether including the victim, including the perpetrators, including supporting personnel that are out there. And they began to get the larger picture of how all of this is working. This is long before anybody ever goes out and puts feet on the ground and begins to then get involved and take these guys down. This crime-solving business has changed, and it is changing right before your eyes. And that is why we need crime analysts like the ones that we have at our task force, and that's why I'm doing the show today is so that you can understand it. Well, folks, we're at the end of the show. My name is Opal Singleton. This is from Million Kids. Please follow Million Kids on Facebook. We would ask you, if you have it in your heart, to please go to www.millionkids.org and donate. We're having a very difficult summer this year. Uh, You know, we're not able to get in the donations that we have had in the past for a variety of reasons. And uh, we may actually have to do some cost cutting very shortly, and we don't really want to do that. But we have to pay the bills, and uh, we have to be responsible. So if this show is valuable to you, if it means something, if you can find it in your heart to support it, we would greatly appreciate it. My name is Opal Singleton. You can always write to me at opal at meandkids.org. That is O-P-A-L at meandkids.org. I'd like to know who you are, where you're at around the world, and if this show has impacted you, please either write to me or let us know on Facebook. 
In the meantime, we appreciate you very much. Thank you for following us each week, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week. Thank you.